Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Today I want to talk to you on the subject title of purpose. If you're writing notes this morning, this afternoon, I want you to write this title down, I See. Say it with me, I See. It's funny that you can say those two words about 16 different ways, and it sounds and it's totally different, right? I see. I see. I see. I want to talk to you today about seeing. I believe that purpose is what gives life clear visibility. And some of you today, you've acquired all of your goals. And I would let you know today that goals are different than purpose. Goals change in every season. Purpose stays the same. Are you with me? And significance and success are also different. Orange County is a place full of successful people, but we have many successful people like the gentleman that was on the bridge this week in Ladera Ranch that my wife and Neil and Kat prayed off the bridge. My wife literally pulled over, prayed this guy. He was over on the bridge for two hours or so. My wife got there and Neil and Kat started praying and this guy actually jumped back over the bridge, gave this police officer a big hug. He's alive today. Come on, praise God. You can experience success and still be depressed. You can experience success and still be suicidal. You can acquire the house you wanted, the car you wanted, the spouse you wanted, the kids you wanted, and still be empty on the inside. Because means never give meaning. Only God can give meaning. And I want to talk to I'm sorry I'm fired up this morning. I just like preaching this thing like I stole it. Is that all right? I don't know what that means, but... But we are going to have a good time today. If you have your Bible, I'm going to read six verses out of Exodus chapter 3. I want to talk to you in the subject title, I See. Uh, last week, I want to just say as your pastor that last week, if you were here, I, I fundamentally, I asked God what to say. He said, he told me to tell you this, that he kicked out the unwanted guest in your life. The house is now clean. Listen to me. It's your responsibility to keep the house full of God. And to keep the doors and the windows shut to darkness. I'm telling you that, that, that salvation is instantaneous. Deliverance is, it comes from a word from God. We talked about Legion. Remember, he was on Jesus' one-step recovery plan. <laughs> Legion got free with one word from God. Go. But I believe this, that when we are free, we choose, we open ourselves up to bondage again. So as your pastor, I'm not belaboring this, but I just want to say, I believe that you are free indeed, but we guard our freedom by not just accepting the truth, but living in the truth day after day after day. So keep your doors shut to darkness. I mean, guard what your eyes watch, listen to, what you let into your heart, and I believe you'll continue to live free indeed. Everyone said amen. amen. Exodus chapter 3, if you would turn there with me. We were talking about Moses last week. We shared how Moses was the first fruits of what God wanted to do for all the people. He called him, he encountered him, he brought him out of Egypt, sent him back into bondage, sent him back into Egypt, grabbed the people of God, brought him out with ten mighty signs and wonders, and it says that the purpose of deliverance, of freedom from bondage, was that they might worship God on the mountain. And that's where many people get it wrong in our society, is they think that freedom is just so we can brag about our holiness about how close we are and how just good we are. We're just good moral people. Freedom is always connected to intimacy with God. 
And self-help without God intimacy leads to emptiness. I want to get free. That's why I can tell my friends, I don't drink anymore. I don't do that anymore. I'm not, in, I'm not addicted to that anymore. I'm not in that dark place anymore. I don't brag about my morality. God liberated me so I can live close to him. What did he say? That he might worship me on this mountain. And the Bible reads that he speaks to Moses at a burning bush. We read in chapter 3 that he's like, I'm going to deliver you. It says in verses, uh, in verses 8 and 9, I'm going to send you in. I'm going to deliver the people from the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jubasites. God said he's even big enough to get rid of the cellulites. Can I get an amen? The spirit of liposuction. Get rid of them cellulites. Kidding. He said, I'll deliver you from darkness. He says, come now, I will send you to Pharaoh. Verse, verse 10 of chapter 3. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses goes, who am I? Say with me, who am I? He doesn't know what his purpose is. He had no idea that God groomed him for 40 years in Egypt. He understood the literature, the language, the customs. He was the only Israelite in Egypt that was raised at the caliber of royalty to go into Pharaoh's courts and understand the customs of the land. He had no idea. He says, who am I? It's like, uh, dude, you are the prince of Egypt. If there was any Jew in Egypt that was qualified to talk to Pharaoh, it's you. But humility doesn't think, of, think less of yourself. It just thinks of yourself less. And he goes, who am I, though, that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt? He says, I will certainly be with you. This will be a sign to you that I have sent you, that you'll bring the people out of Egypt. You will worship God. Worship me on this mountain. So catch this with me. God wants to get us into freedom so we can be close to him. We can worship him. Then it goes on. There's this dialogue that Moses tries to talk God out of being used. He's like, God, there's smarter people. There's more educated people. There's better looking people. There's people that don't st 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 stutter. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? He says, all right, well, fine, I'll go. Chapter four, I'll go. But um, what happens, Moses answered, what, what, what do I do if the people of, of God do not believe me or listen to my voice? Suppose they say, God hasn't appeared to you. You're not special. You're not going to deliver us from bondage. And here's God's response to this shepherd. What's in your hand? Say it out loud in the tense. What's in your hand? Type it online. What's in your hand? Someone say, wow. Say it backwards. Say it upside down. Mom. Stupid. What's in your hand? And he says, a rod. He says, throw it on the ground. So as he cast it to the ground, it became a snake. Moses fled from it, as I would. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand, take it by the tail, reach out his hand, caught it. It became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. This is the sign. Gave him two other signs, but it's interesting that when he was saying, how am I going to do anything great for you? He already, he didn't know it. It was already in his hand. I want to talk to you today about purpose, and I want you to, the subject title, I See. You guys ready to go? If you're brand new to our church, I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we'll call them jokes. And uh, if you don't laugh, we just call it a bad audience. Tough crowd. Kidding. 
It's okay to have fun in church. We, we laugh every week at this church. I believe that laughter is to Bible teaching what, what sweetness is to medicine. Yeah. Kind of helps the medicine go down. And so we're going to enjoy God today. And I'm going to give you a few ideas that you can write down and take with you this week so you can actually implement this to your life. Let's pray this morning. God, I just thank you for what you're doing at Oceans Church. We thank you for all the great things that have happened the last few weeks. We're so honored that, Lord, every week you, you love to hang out with us, that you love to speak to us. You love to lead us, guide us, liberate us, show us how good you are, that you love on us, that it's your goodness that leads us to want to change. Today, we invite you to be the guest of honor. Help us to have a great time together today and leave with a clear-cut view of why we're sucking oxygen on the earth. Give us purpose. Give us clarity. In Jesus' name, bless the Lakers. Everyone said, amen. Amen. I've uh, been married, uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but Marissa, I've been married for 15 years. Isn't that awesome? 15 years A bliss. We're showing some of our college students our wedding pictures this week, and they're like, oh my gosh, Pastor Rochelle looks the same. And I was waiting for the second half of that statement, but it didn't come. Rochelle is a bit like the Lord Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm not. But we've been married for 15 years. And uh, we got married. Uh, you know, we lived in Idaho. As many of you know, we were in Idaho for us. Uh, I was there for 16 years. Rochelle was there for longer. And um, we got married. And, you know, one of the things you do when you get married is you get, a, you get your first place. You need furniture. And there was actually, in Idaho, there's a lot of things that we have here that Idaho doesn't have, uh, like warm weather. Um, enjoy. Oh, I'm, kidding, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. That's for those thinking about moving to Idaho. Um, uh, we, we didn't have Ikea there in Idaho. And, uh, anybody been to Ikea? Who knows what Ikea is? You been there? It's like the Costco of furniture. Ikea, we had to drive to Salt Lake City to go to Ikea. Uh, Ikea is actually a Swedish brand, if you don't know Ikea. Uh, it's a Swedish brand. It actually, in, in, in the Swedish language, um, Ikea means test your marriage. I don't know if you know that. Ikea... Um, it's, a, it's a place that you go, you see all these beautiful display cases and opulent furniture and just beautifully curated rooms and spaces and kitchens and cabinets and couches and it has everything. They all have unique names. Um, I've read some of the names. Uh, uh, I saw, these are true names of Ikea furniture. There's the Frickentig. Frickentig. Uh, there's the Ricktig Agla, there's the Groncula, the Sparsum, the Dagstore, and the Smorball. Real names of furniture. My wife and I got married, we went to Ikea, and I realized that they named the furniture after the, the, the words that you said as you assembled them. I realized that the engineers were cussing in their language as they tried to fit those things in the little boxes. Ikea is a sign and a wonder. You walk through the displays, there's a 12-foot entertainment center. You go to the warehouse, it's in, a, it's in a box the size of a lunch pail. A4. You get home, there's 1,600 pieces in this little lunch box. Start just unfolding, unpacking. Luckily, they gave you a tool to assemble those 1,600 pieces. Smaller than your pinky. 
I actually think that's, they're so generous with everything else, but their tool's so sparsome. I started assembling these things with that tool. I don't know if you ever put stuff together with the tool they actually supply. It takes a freaking take long time. (laughs) And uh, it does challenge the genuineness of your faith. It's a goofy little tool. It's amazing to me that these tiny little boxes in the warehouse, you bring them home, you start assembling them, and you're like, whoa, I think it's all in here. Because my fear every time I've gone to Ikea is I get home with the box and I put it on the ground. I'm like, it's not all here. Some dude's laughing in the warehouse right now. Those guys drove from Idaho. They're going to have to drive five hours to come back to grab the three bolts that we didn't put in there. It's amazing that in the box, it's not very impressive, but the more you assemble it, it starts coming together. My wife, uh, she cheers me on as I put that stuff together. She's moral support. I'm not handy. My wife's not handy. But she cheers me on. And uh, I'm, as I'm assembling things, I'm, I'm calling the guy a s'more ball that put this thing together. These engineers are s'more balls. And uh, as I'm assembling, usually my, my favorite part of putting furniture together, my favorite part is actually when it's done. My favorite ride is the ride after I leave the house from assembling the furniture. It's my favorite. But I, I put it all together. But my, my favorite part of the assembly process is when you actually start to see what it's supposed to look like. Now, I'm grateful for the little tool they give you. And normally, Ikea, if it has 1,600 pieces, they'll give you at least one picture of what it's supposed to look like. So you're kind of studying this black and white stick figure diagram. And you're just praying, Lord, please, that there's a way. <laughs> but usually there's a point at, in the assembly process that Rochelle will walk in and she'll go, oh, that's the bookshelf. I see it. I can see that that's the bookshelf. I'm like, yeah, praise the Lord. And you get to that point that it starts to take on shape. I see. I can see what it's supposed to become. And I was praying this week for you, and I believe many people, they have no idea the beautiful things that they can become. Many people see the limitations of small, maybe, beginnings. Maybe you feel like you came from the wrong part of the the tracks. You didn't have the right mom or dad, the right pedigree. Maybe you think that maybe you have limitations of maybe what you could do and go and what you could be in life because of the small package that you came in. But I am convinced that we serve a God that specializes in taking things that look like they're going to be nothing and assembling them together until they start looking like something you can recognize. Purpose is determined by the creator. And the problem with many people is that they want purpose, but they don't want to acknowledge that there was a creator that gave you purpose. The one that dictates what that shelf is supposed to look like and function as is the person that created it. The one that writes the narrative of the book is the author of the book. The one that determines what the bridge looks like and what it holds is the architect of the bridge. And we live in a society that goes, I want purpose, but I want it on my own, in my own way. I want it on my own terms. I believe that God's desire is, is to give purpose to his people. I want you to write this down. Purpose is life. Purpose is to life what skeletons are to our bodies. 
Purpose is to life what skeletons are to our bodies. Can I get an amen? Amen. Muscles have strength, but it needs support and attachment. Some of you have great strength, great gifts, great experiences, opportunities, and influence. But without God-given purpose, it's like having giant biceps and healthy muscle tissue without any skeletons. Many people are lacking purpose. It's funny that even the corporate world in America realizes that purpose is significant. Corporate America, you own a toothpick company, guess what? They have a purpose statement. I don't care what it is. You make tombstones. You make toilet paper. Every healthy, successful organization has a purpose statement. Purpose statement is what's written down to dictate, are we failing or are we succeeding? Without a purpose statement, we don't know if we're doing it right or we're doing it wrong. Many people don't know, am I succeeding in life or am I failing in life? You can't tell if you're, if you're winning or you're losing unless you know the purpose of something. If I don't know what a fork is for, a spoon is for, a knife is for, I can't gauge if I'm using it right if I do not understand its purpose. God is a God that wants us to understand. Certainly, if toothpick, if toothpick companies have purpose statements, maybe we should invest into ours. I believe, in, in short, that we exist to exhibit and encounter God and to display his glory. Can I say it for the back? was better than your response. We exist to exhibit and to encounter God and display his glory. And when you're not sucking air to encounter God and exhibit him and to display his glory, you'll start spending the favor that he afforded to you on yourself and you'll become progressively more empty. Fame and success, significant influ- influence, affluence without God only makes more well-known devils. I believe that education without Jesus makes smarter devils. Money with God makes wealthier devils. But I'm telling you that when we actually leverage what he's given us for his glory, we live not only for this life, but for the next one. Some of you understand that you can experience success and still be empty. Success, drinking it for yourself is like salt water. The more you drink it, the faster you die. God wants to refresh human beings, but he refreshes us not through us trying to satisfy us, but living for something greater. And I would tell you today, there is a a large, vast difference between success and significance. Three stages of life is survival, success, significance. Can I say it for the back? Survival, success, significance. Some of you are just trying to survive. Lord, if you just help our kids not go to the crazy house. If you would keep our marriage on track. If you would help us be able to afford to do this or go there or be this or achieve that. Survival is followed by success. Success is when you acquire your dreams, but you don't discover the dream that God has for your life. It's when you achieve levels of what you tried to accomplish in your goals but you're not operating in your purpose. Success is meaningful as long as it's associated to your purpose. And success goes from success to significance when you accelerate into, I was on the earth, I am here sucking oxygen to help people know God intimately. 
I believe the reason why I'm on the earth, the reason why God made me, that he gave me the experiences and the background and the talents and the spiritual gifts and the desires and the aptitudes and the appetites and the things that God wired me with, everything that I have, God says, I want you to leverage all of it to help human beings know me intimately. And there's something about when I operate in that space, it's like a sweet spot on a bat. It's a sweet spot on a ping pong paddle. It's a sweet spot on a pickleball paddle. Can I get an amen? Something about operating in your experiences, your spiritual gifts, your backgrounds, your passions, your dreams, your aptitudes. Are you hearing me today? You feel alive. Sunday mornings, man, I feel alive. Sitting one-on-one in a coffee shop, helping someone come higher in God. It, it charges my battery. It floats my boat. It downloads my app. Come on, I don't know the new term, technology. It does something in my soul that that revitalizes me. People don't realize that God made you for a purpose. And I don't care who you are and where you come from. All of us wonder four things. Origins, where did I come from? Where the heck did God come from? And I believe that you'll never open your heart to God until you experience and you believe how big he is. You have a hard time respecting God. Think about this. No one put God in charge. You have a hard time having a fear and a respect of God. Think about this. God has no childhood. He has no influences. He didn't have any mentors. He didn't have any life coaches. He didn't have any, come on, intensives that he went to to raise himself up. He's never had this thought. He's never said this. You know, I just thought of something. God has never had an epiphany. God has never said, I learned something new. I want you to think about this, that forever we will discover more about him, but we will never discover all of him. So we have a hard time recognizing God. Remember this, where did I come from? You came from God. Well, no, science says that. Look, science and Jesus are not at odds. Science put this iPad together, but just because someone could take it, break it apart, explain every piece of the iPad, how it works, why it lights up, what technology is used, explaining the function of something that was created does not disprove a creator. Breaking down science, science and Christianity are not odds. If anything, scientists are explaining what thousands of years ago God said. Bunch of brilliant scientists going, we speculate that the universe right now is expanding at the speed of light. That it hasn't stopped expanding at the speed of light since creation. And it's like, well, that sounds like Genesis chapter 1 to me. In the beginning, God said, let there be. And he never said for it to stop. Sounds like science is backing up what God already said. I love when those scientists catch up to Jesus. We've discovered. I'm telling you today that God creates everything for purpose. Origins, where did I come from? You will never find that answer out without God. You came from God. You came for God. And very important for you to understand today, you are loved, you're needed, you're valuable, and you're eternal. Can I get an amen from the back? Why you shouldn't be on a bridge. You are loved. You are needed. You are valuable. You are eternal. Do you know that you have a fingerprint that no one else on this earth has? Billions of people. And no one else has your fingerprint. 
why would God go through the details of giving everybody a unique fingerprint? I'll tell you why. It's because he wants you to leave an impression on the earth no one else could ever leave. He wants you to put your hands on this planet in a way that they go, man, Mike couldn't do that. Joe couldn't do that. Steve couldn't do that. Mark couldn't do that. But guess what, man? Man, man, Rick has those fingerprints. And when you take your own life, you, you tap out early, you quit, you give up, you actually, you forfeit the opportunity that God wanted in the world to sow a seed. God is a God that wants us to leverage life for his glory. Are you hearing me? Purpose is so important. I, I believe that we serve as a canvas for God's paintbrush. We serve as paper for God's pen. We serve as soil for God's seed. We serve as speakers for God's voice. We are in a partnership with God. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, according to the message translation, it says each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Some of us have tried to become our own God. One scholar said, in the beginning, God created man. And ever since, man has been trying to return the favor. We were not made. We, God is not made in our image. We are made in his image. And I believe the origins you have to wrestle with, meaning, if God created me, he's the one that knows what I'm here for. Now, some of you have a hard time wrestling with this thought, but I'm telling you, if you have a Toyota and it breaks down, you don't have a hard time going, what dealership should I take it to? I don't know, man. I have options. When your Toyota breaks down, you take it to the people that made Toyotas. There's a little booklet when you buy a car, come on, called the owner's manual. The owner's manual was written by the people that created. You don't ever see people going, oh, man, they say oil change. They say rotate tires. Who needs it? Brakes? Nah. They say, listen to me, the people that create understand function and purpose better than anybody else. The prophet of old says, can the clay say to the potter, why did you make me this way? God gave you your personality. He put you in the family that you're in. Do you know that none of us chose our family? None of us did. And I love the fact that Jesus is the only human being that ever selected his family. And he could have chose any parent that he wanted. He could have picked, come on, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. He could have had some good genetics. He could have picked, man, someone that had, man, uh, Warren Buffett's checking account. He could have been born in a castle, in a palace. He could have been born to royalty. But of all the people that he would be born to, he would say, I would rather be born to about a 14 or 15-year-old virgin in the middle of a cave or a field, in a manger, man, at night when no one even knows it. Jesus chose to be in a lineage with prostitutes. For, come on, former women of the night. In a, in a lineage with, with broken people, with, with, with not someone that aren't even Jewish of descent. And it's amazing to me that God would choose his family and he would choose imperfect people to come through. Good thought. Meaning. What am I here for? God can give your life meaning because he made you. Morality, what's right, what's wrong? I don't like rules. Christianity's not rules and regulations. 
but I do believe that he who rules makes the rules. You'll never win a basketball game if you don't honor the NBA's guidelines. That's out of bounds. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Where's the snow, right? How do I win? How do I, how do I score? How do, you, how do you put points on the board? You compete according to the rules that the ruler has dictated. And we have a God. You're like, well, I don't like God's rules. Well, that's all right. You're not God. And I'm glad you're not. Because you probably have goofier rules. Write this down. God never tells us no to cram our style. All of God's no's are connected to your prosperity. All of God's no's are connected to your prosperity. When God says, don't eat the tree in the garden, it's like, why not? You're trying to, God's, God's, that's what the devil said. He's trying to hold out on you. He knows that if you eat it in that day, you'll be like God. You know what's crazy? They were already like God. You know what the devil does? He tries to get you to sacrifice things that God has already gave you. Whose image was Adam and Eve made in? God's. What was the temptation of the tree? That if you eat it, you'll be like God. The devil tried to get them to, he did. He's, he got them to sacrifice what they already had. Purpose. Ah, I'm going to get back on notes here. Morality. Rulers make the rules. And there is someone, listen, you're not a cosmic accident. Well, I think I just evolved. Listen, if I park my car in a field, leave it there for 10 billion years, it does not turn into a hotel. Well, we just evolved into like better creatures and more sophistication. I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at science. I'm just telling you that the law of thermodynamics is, is that things do not progressively go from worse to better. I love the hesitancy in the ground. Are you sure? There? <laughs> Fred, park the, park the pickup in the field. Let's test this out. I'm telling you, if God throughout history created us, gave us meaning, gave us origins, gave us morality, I don't care if you don't believe in God at all. You don't want to see babies hurt. If you were just an animal, like a zebra, like an elephant, like a iguana, if you were just some polar bear, you wouldn't care about babies being hurt and abused. You wouldn't feel for people that get diagnosed with a disease and lose a loved one. You wouldn't cry when your friend dies in a car accident. If you were just some random animal, why do you feel on a level that animals do not feel? You feel because you were made in the image of your God. God feels. And I've learned that if I feel what God feels, I'll see what God sees. If I see what he sees, I feel what he feels, and then I'll say what he says. Many people don't realize that there is, there is God that sets our moral compass. Destinations. God made me for eternity. You were made for eternity. Two biggest questions of life is, what do you do with Jesus? Biggest question. Scholars say that the most important thing about any human being is what they do with Jesus. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. It's the only thing that has eternal consequences. Second most important question, what do I do with what God has entrusted to me? What do I do with God? Salvation. 
What do I do with what he's given me? Stewardship. Two biggest tests of life is salvation and stewardship. Throughout scripture, God is looking for people that will steward well what he's given them. Moses, you guys ready for the message? What's in your hand? A rod? No, that rod is uh, what you've had the last 40 years. That rod is what you do with the sheep. That rod is how you lead people. That rod is how you pay your bills. That rod is your identity. That rod is to you what a stethoscope is to a doctor, what a white lab coat is to a scientist. That, that, that rod to you is the microphone of the preacher. That rod to you is the, is the billboard in the conference room. That rod is your identity. And I've learned this, that if we'll surrender our identity, our income, and our influence, he moved those sheep with the rod. And some of you, you have no idea that God gave you influence. The number one reason why God gives us influence is to serve other people. And if you want to destroy yourself, take the glory and the influence that God gave you and spend it only on you. You will self-destruct like celebrities, like Hollywood, like pro athletes. You were never intended to carry the glory that belongs to God. I live to exhibit and to encounter God and to bring Him glory in the earth. Some of you have no idea what's in your hand. Your hand is your identity. Mark, mark my words. Your identity, your significance comes from your identity. Identity is rooted in above anything else. Before I'm a doctor, a lawyer, an executive, uh, a school teacher, uh, uh, before I'm an a associations director, before I'm a, a mayor or a politician. Listen, I am my identity. I'm a child of God. Before you're part of the donkey or the elephant, you remember, I'm part of the lion and the lamb. I'm a child of God. Before I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat. Before I'm man, before I'm anything else, before I'm before I do anything, I'm a child of God. My significance doesn't come on how much I have, what I live in, what I drive, who I'm married to, what neighborhood I'm from. Listen to me, your identity. My significance, I'm a child of God. And I live to exhibit and to encounter his his presence and to display his glory that's why I'm sucking oxygen and notice this the rod was his identity it was his income his, his vocation his work and it was his influence what did God tell him to do I want you to put it on the ground listen to me if we hold on to our identity if we hold on to our vocation our income and we hold on to our influence for ourselves it'll remain a dead stick but it is amazing when people say, God, if I'm a lawyer, I'm going to be a lawyer for you. If I'm a school teacher, I'm going to teach for you. If I'm a CEO, I'm going to lead like you are in charge of this organization. And if you'll open your hand, what's in your hand, Moses? My identity, then surrender it to me. What's in your hand? My, my income, my livelihood, my work. Surrender it to me. God's not asking you to quit your job, but he is asking, can I come with you to work? I hear the Holy Spirit saying to Orange County, can I come with you to work? Can I come with you in the boardroom, the conference room? Can we, can we just, can I go to work with you? 
You know that most of the miracles of Jesus didn't happen in church, they happened in the marketplace. He wants to go to work with you. He wants to inspire imagination. You know one of the ways you know you're functioning in your purpose? Purpose? Driven people, that's a good name for a book. Purpose? Driven people, listen to me. They, uh, they're people that have imaginations that at night your heart's dreaming. It's interesting, Acts chapter two, are you still with me today? Who'll give me five more minutes? Five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, that's all I need, thanks. That's all I need. All I needed, I've learned this, Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit was poured out. What does it say? Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. One of the byproducts of being full of God living for the purpose of God is that you start having dreams and visions. I said, I've shared this before, but I'll say it again. Someone asked me, Mark, you're probably busy, a lot of stuff's going on, church, whatever. He goes, how are you doing? I said, you know, life's crazy at times. It's like outrunning an avalanche some days. But I've learned this. I know my heart is healthy because at night when I lie in bed, my imagination soars with God. I see where the church is going. I see where Orange County is going. I see revival sweeping over the coast of California. And I see a fire burning so bright, so hot here, that it's gonna light the rest of the country up. I see it! And I'm telling you, when your heart is healthy, your mind dreams, your imagination, it goes with God. God begins to go to work with you. And I hear him saying, Orange County, will, I, will you let me go to work with you? Will you let me inspire your imagination? God's for Sundays. No, He's not. He's for every day of the week. I believe the Holy Spirit is grieved because of the partial custody of some of His kids that have selective wills with Him. I'll give God the weekends, but not the week. Come on. Jesus did not die for partial custody. He wants full custody of His kids. He wants you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Are you hearing me? He wants you every day of the week. We serve a God that says, will you give me what's in your hand? I would argue that without, without Exodus chapter 4, we would have no, no ten signs and wonders in Egypt. Without the rod, what's in your hand, Moses? Without the rod, no Red Sea crossing. Without the rod, no two, three million people getting delivered from Egypt. Without the rod, there is no nation of Israel. Without the rod, there's no seed of David. Without the rod, there's no Messiah that comes out of God's chosen people. Without the rod, we do not have what we have today. What's in your hand? It's an ordinary, it's an ordinary, it's just my background. I feel like the Lord would say today, don't say it's just a rod. Some of you have no idea that your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, your experiences. You have no idea that God made you with a purpose. And when you give Him what's in your hand, what happens is all of a sudden you find your sweet spot. I wish I had three hours to teach this because I have so much notes, I'm just like completely burning the side here. But you know what your sweet spot is? It's where your affections meet your success. It's where your vision and creativity collide. It's where favor rests on you, and it's where God's peace dwells. It's your sweet spot. Can I say it for the back? 
Your sweet spot is where your affections, your passions, it's where your success, it's where your vision and creativity collide. It's the place that you dream. It's where you have favor. It's where God's peace dwells on you. You live in that place of purpose. I'm telling you, man, you might not get a new job this week, but you will walk into the office with a new swagger, a new pep in your step. You go, man, I'm here. I'm, in the, I'm, the, I'm the director of this board for God. God's going to work with me this week. If I'm a roofing contractor, come on, I'm taking some bids with Jesus. God, tell me how to bid this job. I'm a construction worker. I'm a welder. Come on, I'm, a, I'm an educator. God, I'm going with you. You're going with me. Let's do this thing together. I've learned this, though, that God doesn't use lazy people. Can I get an amen? Last week, I shared the guy that doesn't know the Bible. God helps those that help themselves. Proverbs 32. It's not in the Bible. But I do believe that God is interested in finding people that are already moving. God calls Moses when he's in a desert for 40 years with the sheep. God calls Gideon while he's threshing the grain. God calls Samuel while he's serving in the church. God calls David while he's caring for the sheep and practicing his slingshot in his heart. God calls Elisha while he's plowing. God calls four of the apostles while they're fishing. God calls Matthew while he's collecting taxes. God didn't call lazy people. God somehow said, you're doing something, let's do it together. Hey, Peter, you're good at throwing a net. I, if you catch fish, I bet you catch people. Moses, you are very, you are very humble. I, I think you're going to lead these sheep. I bet you can lead these crazies. You've been leading dumb sheep for four decades in the, in the, in the, in the Sinai Peninsula. I need someone to lead some low IQ people through the Sinai Peninsula for the next four decades. What Moses thought was wasted time, God called preparation. God doesn't listen to me. God doesn't waste any pain. Parents were divorced. There's a purpose. God doesn't waste any past experiences. I failed. You didn't fail. You found a way to learn. God turns failure into learning opportunities. You only fail if you do not learn from what happened. I feel like preaching today. I'm, I'm convinced. People say, Mark, what's my purpose? Three things. And I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking. Maybe. First thing, our purpose is connected to eternity. If you have a purpose that is somehow compartmentalized from eternity, it's probably not God's full purpose. Everything we do in this life has to be connected to the meaning and significance of the next life. So that annoying coworker, that evil boss, that crooked employee, listen to me, we can't just view them for the here and now. We have to associate eternity with everybody. God, how do I live where I'm living for eternity? Secondly, your purpose is not only connected to eternity, it's connected to serving people. If you want to be empty, serve yourself. You want to be hollow, just live for you and your wife. That's it. I'm going to spoil the heck out of my kids. The only people I'll ever pray for are those that have my last name. You will be empty. Because you can't give your kids enough can't give your, yourself to each other enough the only thing that brings fulfillment is service that's why I'd encourage you to shamelessly get involved in growth tracks join a team and get involved in part of this church serving somewhere because if you can leave a church and no one notices that you're there that you're missing you are not serving like you should be
God wants your fingerprints somewhere in this church. I believe that purpose is connected. Are you with me today? Say with me, eternity. Say with me, people. And the third thing is, say with me, worship. You were made to worship. No, I wasn't. I'm not even spiritually minded. Then why do you get off your lazy boy when that stranger dressed up in his little uniform, his cute little blue uniform, kicks a ball through two yellow poles. Why do you get up and cheer like, like your dad won the lottery? Why do you celebrate strangers' victories and you feel like if they win, you win? Let me let you know a secret. God built us to celebrate victory. And I, I wish I had time because I would tell you that in the ancient world, when a king was victorious, oftentimes the news of victory wouldn't come until days, weeks, months, and years later. Some people were actually victorious over their enemies before they knew they were. And what would happen when a king would, would conquer another land is those people would serve them. What would happen is the king would come home and they would celebrate, we have victory over our enemies. Listen to me. If the king was victorious, the people in his kingdom were victorious. You want to know why you celebrate when LeBron hits that shot and you feel like you just won? You didn't do anything. I don't even know if you can shoot a basketball. But you feel like LeBron when he wins the championship. You know why? Because God made us to worship. And if you don't worship God, you'll worship something. You'll worship money, drugs, sex, fame, power. Anything else you worship, it'll destroy you. The only thing that can, that can carry worship is God. Are you with me today? And I want you to write this down. What you worship in, in time is what you will abide with in eternity. What you worship in time is what you will abide with in eternity. You can write this one. This is a fun one. What I believe determines where I spend eternity. How I live determines how I spend eternity. What I believe determines where I spend eternity. What I do with Jesus determines where I spend eternity. But how I steward my life, it determines if I have authority over cities. The Bible says that they casted their crowns at the feet of Jesus. Some of us will have more emeralds in our crowns than others because of how we lived our lives. You talking about works, Mark? I'm not saying you were saved by works, but I am saying you were saved for works. Ephesians 2.10. Are you with me today? Again, I probably should have spent like six weeks in this service, this series. It's a lot to say. But can I ask you one question, Orange County? What's in your hand? Ocean Church, what's in your hand? I'm just a businessman. No, you're not. You are a weaponized businessman. You're ushering in God's kingdom in that place. People ask me sometimes, are you just a pastor? I'm like, no, bro, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an investor. I'm a distributor. I invest in the people by distributing the truth. What do you do for a living? I, I'm an investor, I'm a distributor. I'm a New Testament priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Don't mess with me, homie. I am a, I'm an atheist exterminator. Don't mess with me, bro. I am a, I'm a heaven, I'm a heaven invader. I'm a kingdom ambassador. I'm a son of the most, are you hearing me today? My identity is in who God is to me. Stand to your feet. What's in your head? I see it. Moses, look at it right now. Look at it. Just, just 
and Bassmaster would say, just look at it. Look at what's in your hand. You know what's in your hand? A rod, education degree, music background, a gift, a, a gift to acquire money. If you have the gift of making money, it's probably because you have the gift of giving. I have learned that those that have the gift of giving have the gift of getting. And if you want to be empty, keep getting for yourself. You want to be fulfilled, start going, man, every year I'm going to set a goal to give. I promise you, man, I'm not lying. Holy Spirit, come and show us what's in our hands. How many want to see what God has for you? Lift your hands all over this place. God, I don't want to live for this life. I want to live for the next life. I want to live for eternity. I want to live to make a difference for people. And I want to live to worship the God that saved me. I thank you that, God, you saved me when I was 18 years old. I thank you, God, that now my longings, my hopes, my dreams, my efforts have been to live for you that rescued me. I thank you that today I study the God that gave me my mind. I serve the God that fashioned my will, and I speak for the God that gave me a voice. God, bless me that I could be a voice to those that don't have one. Give me strength in my legs to carry the lame. Give me eyesight to be, to be eyes to the blind. Give me, give me ear hearing to be a, a, a hearer for those that are deaf. God, make me a voice to those that don't have one. Give me strength for service, not for status. I want to live for people. I want to live for God, and I want to live for eternity. Holy Spirit, what's in my hand? God, show me what you've given me. You're an executive. You're a CEO. You're a school teacher. You're a nurse. You're a, you're a pediatrician. God, show me what's in my hand. Want to use it for you? Show me what moves you. Show me what moves you. I believe as you sing to God, He's going to give you dreams and visions. Who wants to have a dream and a vision for the future? I want you to raise your hands and close your eyes. Let God inspire your thoughts. Give you dreams and visions. Speak. Hey.
give it all. I dare you to give God all your love, all your affections.
but everybody else in the room is here. made to worship him. Give you my right now that's the Holy Spirit that electricity you feel in your body right now that's the Spirit of God that joy that's bubbling up like a volcano inside of you right now that's the Spirit of God that hope you sense you didn't walk in here with that's God and I want to bring your attention to this today that God does not come in an environment like this for no reason he comes with purpose and the purpose of this atmosphere whether you're online or in the tents is to surrender more of who you are to Him. I, I promise you will regret many things in life, but one, one you will never regret is giving God more of you. I've never met anybody on their deathbed that said, I wish I would have given God less. Scores of people have died saying the opposite. Today, Orange County, come on, Ocean's Church. We make it our prayer today, say, God, I'm giving you more. I'm giving, I want, I want to give you all of my pain, my past, my passions, my gifts, my talents, my influence, my affluence. I want to give you it all. I want to lay it down before you. I feel it'd be so appropriate in this atmosphere. If you are not currently living your life surrendered to God, if you've never laid down your identity, never laid down maybe your, your work, your vocation, never surrender maybe your influence to God, and today you say, God, as Moses laid down his rod, I lay down my life. Whether you're atheist today, agnostic today, if you walked away from God, if you fallen off track, today is the day of salvation. God's love is coming near. If you are here and you know that you need to rededicate your life to Jesus or for the first time say, God, I want you to have my all. I was made for eternity, I was made to serve people, and I was made to worship God. If that's you, you want to exhibit 
encounter God and display His glory in the earth. If that's you all over the tents and online, I want you to raise your hand and online I want you to write heart, H-E-A-R-T. Listen to me all over. Eyes closed, heads bowed. We'll be out of here in three minutes. If you're here and you are not living with Jesus and for Jesus, you want Him to have your all. It starts with an invitation. You fell off track. Today's the day we get back on track with God. 15 people last service, over 165 people the last two weeks, more in this service. If you're here and you say, God, you're real. I want you. I want to live with you and for you. I want you to go to work with me. I want to go to work with you. I want to dream. I want you to inspire my imagination. Give me visions. I want to surrender my all to you. All over the tent, first time decision or rededication. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hands. You can start raising them right now. God, I want to give you my life. I want to come back to you or to you for the first time. One, hands are going up. Two, he's knocking right now. That's God. Yeah, I'm letting him in right now all over the tent. Three, online right now, right heart, H-E-A-R-T. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Many hands, many, real high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, keep it up, 12, keep it up, anybody else, 12, 13, anybody else, 13, put your hands down, if you're online right now, I would love it, don't miss a moment, I believe one of the greatest things you can do when you get serious with God is go public with your faith, Christianity is not a secret, we don't hide it from the world, we put it on a lampstand and it shines and it gives light to everyone that's in our sphere. If you're online right now, just write heart, H-E-A-R-T. At least 12 or 13 in the tents today in this service. Would you pray oceans with those people today? Say Jesus. Online, pray with me all over the tent. Come on, say it together. Say Jesus, I invite you to have my all. I give you my identity. I give you my my. My income, my livelihood, my influence, my affluence, I invite you into all of me. Would you heal me, forgive me, wash me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit? I want to live for the purpose of God in my generation. Use me, fill me, love me. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Come on, declare this in Ocean's Church. Say, I am loved. I am valuable. I'm a child of God. And I will live for eternity. God told me, i got to just do this before we close. If you need healing in your body, He told me that there would be deaf ears that would begin to open up. Some of you will donate hearing aids to somebody else. God's going to give you your hearing back. He's he said some of you are going to donate glasses, reading glasses, because He's going to heal your eyes. I pray that today you would open up blind eyes and deaf ears. I pray that today you would heal autoimmune disease. God told me that Crohn's disease is going to be healed today. He told me. So today, if you need healing in your body, I want you to lift your hands all over the tents. Online, just put your hand on your heart right now. I pray for people in this room that have issues with their intestines, digestive systems. I pray for those that have masses or tumors, benign or cancerous. Heal. We ask you to send your word 
and heal. Say this all over the tent today. Say, because of Jesus, I receive healings, miracles, signs, and wonders, documented miracles, many miracles. Heal me, Holy Spirit. I receive it because of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, give him a hand clap today. He's so good. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.